Our podcast is totally funded by you, the audience. If you'd like to help us with the podcast, just go to our Patreon page and subscribe. Patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. You get all the episodes in video format, HD video format, and you'll also get a lot more stuff when you subscribe. Go check it out. Patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. Quiet, please. Please be quiet. Quiet, please. I think in order to be happy, you know, you gotta lie to yourself a little bit. Like, I tell myself I look like sexy George Costanza. But I know I really look like prison Larry David. Someone just gave us a heart. Wow, that is really nice, right? Before we even, I didn't even say anything yet. I, I thought that was you. I thought that was me talking. When you're going, do, 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 do. I'm like, that's something I would say. That's not something Joe would say. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's probably because I took an Adderall extended release about 12 minutes ago and I drank a caffeinated seltzer. Nice. And I, I, I had one of those on the golf course today. I played 18 holes and a guy was like, he didn't even know it existed. He was staring at me like, like I made it myself out of my own concoction. Like, is, is that an obscure thing? Caffeinated seltzer? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Like who, uh, like what flavor is it? No sugar? There was no sugar. So it's like, you know, if it was sugar, it's soda. It's not really seltzer. Uh it we was like get them. that was the only thing they came in really weird flavors it was like um one one flavor was like mango black tea <laughs> what <laughs> and this one was uh green tea green tea like grapefruit grapefruit or something and i just i went with that one and uh it's not bad but i'm probably going to be bouncing off the walls in about 6 minutes I want so, one of those. I want a caffeinated seltzer. That sounds good. Yeah, they sell them right at the supermarket. Not hard to find. Highly right. I'm I'm off coffee. That's the reason. I haven't had a cup of coffee in probably about six or seven months now. Oh wow. Yeah, I have uh, one of my other ailments right at the top here is acid reflux, mm. and one thing that kicks acid reflux up is uh, is caffeine. And alcohol. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm cutting alcohol out. <laughs> Why? I just, I, I like to socially drink. Like I'm not a big get wasted guy. Yeah. I'm lucky. I, I, I feel lucky. My, my dad gave me good genes with that. Uh, which is that I don't know. I never, I never feel addicted. I've been, I've ever, I felt addicted to other things in my life, but never, never had a problem with substance abuse like it's just it just i don't know like it's just you know what's funny is i used to i feel like i used to abuse weed and psychedelics maybe alcohol a little bit too but like now i can do it in moderation i, I think i like through willpower I, I like was able to do it you yeah you can beat things that way to uh to change the subject look it's on the screen right there look at that oh thank you huck 
That is, uh, that's his son. I don't know why his son is on his YouTube. His name's Keir. Keir's a good dude out there in Ohio. Thanks, Keir. $9.99. You get like 30 shout outs for that. Thank you. Yeah. For that, man. Or, or you can get a compliment or an insult if you'd like. I don't yeah. know you. But. Yeah, that's what, um, Andrew said, he goes, when people tip, you know, you can tip right in YouTube. I think you could tip right in Facebook, too. Uh, nice. But um, I do remember that, though. The plaque, it would point out the plaque. What was Did that? You, the the stuff he's talking about, like you eat a little uh, tab, at least when I was in fifth grade, they had a little tab. And then it showed you it would stick to your plaque on your teeth, show you where you missed brushing. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. I don't even know why you just brought that up. Because he said that in his in his nine ninety nine. Oh, see, I I I can't. I don't have my glasses on. He has a really <laughs> small font. I was like, "What are you talking that's, about?" That's the only reason I'm here is to to help to Joe. Small font. <laughs> well, everybody, you will get a, a a shout out, and you can get either complimented by uh, myself and Andrew, or you can get. What did you say? Dissed or roast or what did you say? Insulted. Insulted. So, uh, Kier, let us know in the uh, in the chat here if you'd like to be insulted or you want to be uh, praised, and and we'll handle that for you for that tip. And and that goes for anybody else throughout the podcast. This is going to be a good one too, Andrew. We have we have. I don't know if you and I have ever had a guest when you've been my co-host. No, I don't think so, other than Francesca co-hosting. Yes. So we have a great uh we have a great guest, really old friend of mine, comedian DC Benny. I don't know if any um comedy people out there are gonna be tuning in. If if you do tune in, DC uh he's just he's been a guy who's been at it for so long, like me. I'm trying to think uh some of his major highlights. Let's think of major DC Benny highlights. Well, one that he probably, I don't know if he would say it's a highlight, but to me, it might be his number one thing. Do you remember there was a commercial series that was on all the time where they were like, how you doing? Um, how you doing? I Watch me be getting it wrong. It like, <laughs> I think it was like a, it was like a Bud Light commercial that, and it was like all different ones for like a, maybe, maybe a year straight different ones. How you doing? How you he did, doing? He did that. And he was, it was three guys and they were always like, how you doing? And they, it was all in different situations. And he was one of the three guys on that. That thing ran like crazy. He probably made a lot of money on that. That's cool. Uh, and then uh, he's, he's done lots of commercials and uh, he's been a stand-up comedian for as long as me. And a lot of the shows that I've done, he's done. He was on like a million different things on Comedy Central. I know he was on Craig Ferguson when he had the late show. The late late show was he on Tough Crowd back in the day? He had to have been on Tough Crowd because he's a big comedy seller guy. You know, he's always been in in his cellar, and uh, he, you know, he's one of those guys. It'll be fun to ask him when he comes on because he's one of those guys like that's been there when I've had like major meltdowns, <laughs> and he's like la he laughs at them like, <laughs> and I'm always embarrassed because he's such a nice guy. So like when I fucking blow up at a gig and he's there, like I feel so embarrassed. Like I'm like DC must think I'm the biggest asshole because he's he he doesn't seem to ever have a. Uh, everybody loves him, you know. You know those guys that like they. 
I mean, it'll be interesting. Maybe we'll ask him that because we'll t- he's a um, his other thing that I was to say about him is, is he teaches these storytelling classes now. And in the last like f- maybe four or five years, his stand up has become very storytelling centric. Like and, and when and he's unbelievable at telling a story, you know, when you just see people that just they just. And, and I never realized there's a skill to it. There's certain people that when they tell a story, they didn't even prepare. And right. they're just like Artie Lang is one of those, like just unbelievable at telling stories. Usually, and I want to ask DC this, when you have some major drama, it's always a great story, right? Like it's tough to tell a story on stage that is like just something positive. Like it has to be something fucking crazy, right? Right. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. Especially when things escalate naturally within the plot. Yeah. So DC actually is really the first guy I've ever known to really teach the craft of storytelling. And he does that like on Zooms now and one-on-ones and classes and stuff like that. So um, you and I should uh, try a couple stories on him and see if he can uh, he can fix them, <laughs> okay. make them better. And I know he has one classic story that I want him to tell on the podcast, and I hope he's not embarrassed or sick of telling it, but he has this legendary Bill Cosby story from when he got a part on the Cosby show, not the original one with Theo and, uh, uh, you know, the Hucks, not the, well, I guess this is a question to ask him. I don't know if you would even know on Cosby's second sitcom, was he a Huxtable again, or was it a totally different premise? I only remember the one where with the Huxtables. I don't remember a second one, really. Yeah, there was a second one that came like years after that wasn't as big of a hit, but it was still Bill Cosby, so it was still a pretty big hit, you know, but it wasn't as, as big as the original. But um, so it, it'll be interesting to uh, to bring him on. He, he's When he comes on, we'll put him on. D.C., if you're uh, if you're watching this live feed right now, when uh, when when you're ready, it was uh, we're we're ready for you. But uh, I like what Ron Poliquin is saying here. I'll put him on the screen. He's actually saying that the second Cosby Show was better than the first one. I don't okay. I don't agree with that. Okay. He says no. Totally different premise. Okay, let's hide that. Let's show this. Now, Ron, if you could share this with us, what was the premise of the second Cosby show? Yeah. Cosby just played an old curmudgeon. It's a good Jewish word for you, Andrew. (laughs) Yeah. What's a curmudgeon? That's just a grumpy person. That's not Jewish. It's not even Yiddish. It's not a Yiddish word? I always Mm. thought it was. No. What is it? It's just fucking English. I don't know. It's a word? You sure that's not a... (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure. There's no... There's no chuz or tzuz. Yeah. It's not a curmudgeon. Speaking of Jewish, yeah. my wife and I went out to dinner this past uh, Friday. We went out. No kids. We found this place in New Rochelle that has live music while you eat dinner. And I've been saying this for a while. I'm like, why doesn't every place in the suburbs do that shit? Like, why you go on vacation? There's always guys playing and it makes eating more fun i do do you like hearing live music when you're eating if it's not too loud you know i want to be able to have a conversation but yeah well it's like it's one acoustic guy but like this place doesn't get the basic cheesy acoustic guy Mm -hmm. like it's usually a guy who's playing all covers but 
he's to a higher tier in talent. Like he's really good at it, you know? Nice. So, uh, we were there and for some reason, it, I don't know what made it come up in dinner, but I just, it's weird cause my wife's nine years younger. So there's certain shit that she's, she doesn't know that to me are like staples. Sometimes there's staples in comedy. Like she didn't remember Mike Myers when he would do that character, Linda Richmond. Now, do you know who that is? Uh, is that where he plays the woman? She's like, I was all verklempt. Yeah. The Jewish. Yeah. Lady. yeah I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was based on his i think his wife was jewish and that was based on his wife's mother yeah but there was something and i couldn't remember exactly what he would do where he would he would go uh, uh, talk amongst yourselves and he would give them a subject he would yeah. go uh, yeah, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, sylvester stallone planet hollywood uh <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, he said, I'm getting off a clamped uh, uh, yeah. postmodern architecture in, in post Weimar Germany. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Was that, is that a, um, is that a really uh, dead on Jewish character that he's doing there? Like, um, uh, talk about, talk amongst yourselves. I'm for clamped. Like, do you have any relatives that say that? No, I don't think so. I, Again, then again, most of the women in my family are like super strong macho women and they don't get verklempt, you know, they, they, get they just barrel over everyone. His That character also would freak out anything about Barbara Streisand. I still remember <laughs> that. He would go, Barbara, and Barbara Streisand shows up once and he's like, oh, Barbara's here. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, that was great. That was one of my favorite SNL bits for sure. Well, D- DC's here, so uh, I see him in the uh, in the bottom of the window. I love the Streamyard. The Streamyard's great for podcasts, and so we'll bring him on. It was it's a good sign because DC was laughing a little bit. I saw him smiling when we were doing Linda Richmond. <laughs> He'll probably know some like true facts behind uh, where that character came from. Uh, okay, everybody, let's. Uh, I wish I had intro music, but with 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 Streamyard, you really. I guess you. You know what? The app has this weird thing where you can do music. Let's let's try this for a second. I'm the king of trying shit that I don't really know how to do well. <laughs> Here we go. No, that, that, yeah, it's got little weird. I'll let I'll let you pick, Andrew. This is the choices of uh-huh. uh, background music on this on this uh, platform here: acoustic, cinematic, dance, pop, <laughs> daydreaming. Feeding the ducks. What Let's the hell go. We got to go feeding the ducks. Feeding the ducks into space. Uh huh. Let's get rid of. Uh, oh God, how do we get rid of Ron Poliquin's uh, into space? Lofty. What the hell is that? Night driving and uh-huh. rock. I mean, I'm already sold on feeding the ducks. As you want you feeding. It. You want feeding the ducks. All right. Yeah. Well, let me get rid of uh, Ron Poliquin's comment here. That could take me four hours. <laughs> Now we put that one up, then we'll hit high. There we go. Okay. So you want to hear feeding the ducks. This is going to be great. Quack, quack. I love, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't even know what, what that would sound like if you were feeding ducks and why you would have music called feeding the ducks. But here it is. <laughs> Let's hear what this is. Oh, wow. This is dramatic. This is not what that? I expected. I expected like old man in the park music. Yeah, we can't we can't bring DC up to feed the ducks. <laughs> now our next dancer, he's got curvaceous hips, beautiful nipples. Give it up for DC. DC man. Man. 
How about Into the Space? You want to give that one a try? Let's give him that. Sure. Oh, this is just as bad. <laughs> what? <the? laughs> just bring him in. Stop giving him blue balls. <laughs> All right. Here you go, DC. Feel it. Feel it. There he is. <laughs> into the Space. Oh, it's on a loop, too, man. It's All looping. Right. Let's Welcome, DC. Nice to meet you. Uh, good, nice to meet you. Good to see you guys. I'm just vibing with you. Well, That's nice. I'm glad you put so much time and care into the intro and the music <laughs> and feeding the ducks and whatever that was. Appreciate it. That's good stuff, man. Uh, yeah, man. What's happening? What's happening? What are you guys doing? Chilling. So, so we're, uh, we, we, we set you up, kind of. You know, we talked about you being... Um, this 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 comedian I, I talked and i was trying to remember i don't know if you were you didn't have it on then when we were talking about that commercial you had that ran that i, I was going what's dc's biggest what's his biggest highlight like what's what would, what would he think his biggest career credit was and i go he did this commercial you know comedians are always jealous when another comedian gets a commercial that really runs long as you're like oh he's making some money on that commercial you had and I remember thinking, holy shit, DC, DC's got something good going right now. Cause I was at a Yankee game and that fucking commercial came up on the big screen in Yankee Stadium. I'm like, there's DC. And was was the phrase, how you doing? Or was oh, I wrong? Oh, I, that's the phrase. Now listen, I actually have a story about the, uh that commercial that actually was six of them. It became a campaign. Uh, I remember it was like for like a year. They were all different ones. Well, here's the background. It's it, I gotta I gotta bring it back a little bit. So when I was growing up, my dad was a Jew who wanted one thing more than anything, and that was to be Italian, right? I mean, that was his that was his thing. And uh, that's funny because you know, I've seen your dad on your Instagram posts, and he seems right? Italianish. Well, he lived there. Yeah. He lived in Italy. You know, he's just, it, there was, he speaks a little Italian and, you know, we go to restaurants. He's like, wait, you know, we'll put for pasta al dente. It's like a fucking Chinese restaurant. It's embarrassing, you know. And um, when I first started doing stand up, he, I used to do this Robert De Niro impression. My dad was obsessed with Robert De Niro and it was a terrible impression. But my dad was obsessed with Robert De Niro, and he would give um, Joe and you, both you guys, probably parents have given you terrible showbiz advice, which is oh, what yeah. my dad was like. He's like, you do Robert De Niro. He's like, why don't you call Robert De Niro? Because he would like your comedy. I could tell he would like your comedy. You could call him. He put you in his films. He would put you in his films, he, and he'd be like, and I'd be like, Papa, it doesn't work like that. I'll call Robert De Niro, and he would try and. And figure out how to call Robert Dewey. Spent a lot of time doing that. And it was like a thing growing up. And when I first started doing stand-up, he came and heckled me. He got drunk. He sat in the back and heckled me. He'd be like, do Robert De Niro. It was, it was a DC improv. It was fucking embarrassing. Just a, a terrible. Anyway. So we, we're fast-forwarding. I moved to New York. I'm doing comedy, blah, blah, blah. I get an audition for the, the Budweiser How You Doing commercials. Now, the Budweiser How You Doing commercials were on the cusp of the Sopranos coming out. So it was like very Soprano-esque. It was like five guys sitting at a bar in Jersey. They just whacked somebody or they're waiting to whack somebody. And they're like, how you doing? How you doing? And so I get to the audition and Joe, you probably know about this, but because it was New York and it's supposed to be mobs, it's just like real fucking 
Mobsters. The real one. Yeah, the real, real ones show up. Class trucks are double parked. Nobody's got a neck. It's like, my <laughs> fucking bull showing you, you know. And I'm in there just watching him take that, that nose picker chain thing. And we had one of those things, like the whole, the whole thing, man. The little cone, the little horn, you know, little. And um, there's like. You put it all on? Oh, say again? You put these on yourself for the audition? No, I don't, that's what people are wearing. That's what everybody's wearing. Oh, okay. Sweatsuit never did a sit up. This is the whole vibe, you know, <laughs> of this thing. And um, these guys are almost getting in these almost fights. Like, I'm over here. I'm over here. You're over there. You know, like this back and forth. <laughs> the other guy mediates, you know, Anthony Cole. Which, you know, you don't disrespect, cast dispersions, you know, you over here. So I'm watching all of this, just absorbing it. Right. One guy in the corner. All you got to say with these commercials is how you doing. It's all you got to say. Very simple. <laughs> uh, and there's a guy in the corner who's never really acted before. And he's he's, he's practicing. He's like, how you doing? How you doing? Do? And he's very nervous. Very, very nervous, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, the the director is this little southern guy who's directed a lot of films. Like the guy's, you know, a big time director, and he brings us both in. He's like Anthony brings us both in, and um, it was funny because an English guy wrote these commercials, a southern guy directed them, all the Italian guys that were in it, three of them were Jews. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like one of these things. <laughs> you're you're giving me a little bit of a flashback because I think I auditioned for this commercial. You probably too. did. You but I, I think I remember in the audition, there was something in the sides, the script saying that this was something that was famous in another country. Froze, Joe. Okay. Well, you know, we work out these technical issues. <laughs> my, my computer all of a sudden in the last week has been slow and I don't know why. Can you guys all hear me? Yeah, you yeah, said something. Something in another country. That's Famous in another like. country. This commercial. Oh, I said, I don't know if I'm wrong, but you were giving me like a deja vu. I think I remember auditioning for the commercial and that in the description, when you went in there to read that, they said that that camp, that that how you doing thing was like some sort of that the guy directing it did really well in another country with this phrase. And he was doing a commercial series with the how you doing thing. Am I wrong? Well, it was more of a spinoff of the What's Up commercial. That's they what it was. He, didn't he direct that? I don't know. I don't <laughs> know, but it became a spinoff of that. They wanted to do an Italian version of that, right? Right. So right. We're, we're in there. I'm in there with this guy. Uh, the little Southern guy's like, uh, okay, y'all, just I want you to take turns. Just say how you do. Just say how you do, right? Sound like Vic Henley. You know, he's like, just how y'all say how you do. So he's like, Anthony, say how you do. And the guy's like, hi, you, hmm, hi, hmm. Fuck. And he just like punched the wall and left. He mm-hmm. forgot the line, punched the wall and left. So the pressure's off of me. So I just say, how you doing? And right. and the guy's like, that's, that's really good. Could you say it this way? Like, you're angry. I'm like, how you doing? And he's saying, like, you're happy. How you doing? So I say it five different ways. I booked a commercial, right? I'm very excited. <clears throat> we do the thing. Like you said, it, it was uh, the first one came out on the Emmys. So it was huge. It was a huge huge commercial and i'm the main guy i'm the the thing comes in the bar i'm the main guy how you doing how you, how you doing and i'm living in brooklyn at the time living in the old school italian neighborhood so you know the thing about when you get a little bit of celebrity okay there's the haters you don't realize what drives celebrities crazy and what it is it's the haters you get and i 
I had no idea. So I'm walking down the street and people are like, hey, the way you say how you doing, that, sh- that, that comes from here. It's not very authentic, the way you say how you just come from there. I'm like, so I'm like, over here, over here, whatever. And uh, I, I get to a point where it's like, I don't want to leave my apartment. It's just, it's in my head all the time. How you doing? How you doing? We shoot more of them. We shoot s- six of these things. And they, they're running, they're running, they're running, they're running. And I'm, I'm really getting kind of mentally bugged out. During that time, I'm in my apartment, I'm lit in, in this neighborhood, and it's like everybody's got a critique, and it's just like the kind of uh, low-key fame you don't, <laughs> you don't really want. You know, there's a song on KTU about the how you doing guys, that they're not saying it right. You know, it's like everybody's got a critique of this shit. And I remember my wife was like, you know, you should go to try therapy. And Joe, I know you know about therapy. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I remember going, yeah. I had the, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? In my head. And I remember going to the therapist and sitting down. She closed her notebook. She put her glasses on. She's like, so how are you doing? And I, <laughs> it was such a, a, a funny, crazy moment. But the, the next night, it was my birthday. And all this has been going on. My wife got, uh, us a dinner at this Italian restaurant in the village, like a very fancy, I forget the name of a very fancy place that you have to wait like a year. You can't, she got us the thing. So we're in, <clears throat> I'll never forget this. We're in the restaurant. There's a little TV at the bar. We're sitting in a booth and there two booths over is Robert De Niro, right? My wife's like, look, there's Robert De Niro. I'm like, holy shit. Right. And as she says that the commercial comes on, Right on the TV. There's some game on. The commercial comes on. And I see Robert De Niro. He's talking to people. And he's like. And he looks at the commercial. And then he looks at me. He's like. <laughs> and that's the impression that my dad loved, by the way. Um, and, he, and I was like, holy shit. You know, I have this moment. I got to call my father. Right. I got to tell him about this. Right. So I go outside of the uh, restaurant. And I'm like, pop. I call him. It's like nine o'clock. And he's like. You know, he's asleep. And I said, Pop, man, you never guess who I just saw. And he goes, who? And I said, Robert De Niro. And there was a beat. And my dad said, will you tell him next time I call to pick up the fucking phone? And he hung up <laughs> and went back to bed. But that's the, <laughs> that's the Budweiser story. But it was, a, it was a great run, man. It was good. Joe's gone now. I know. I don't know what's happening with his computer. But that's such oh, a good story. I mean, you couldn't have uh, given a better example of of why we're talking to you about storytelling mastery because you made like I could never tell a story like that. You made it seem so effortless, but there was a beginning, there was a middle, an end, there was it never dragged. It was funny, but it didn't seem like you were trying to be funny. It's like how do you how do you get so good at telling stories? Uh I well I appreciate you saying that. Um you know, I feel like ultimately as comedians, yeah. we look at what we did initially that made somebody say hey man you're funny or or make somebody laugh Mm -hmm. and for me it was always like telling stories about my day or some shit that happened it was always bad shit that happened to me you know and a lot of it did and um when i first started comedy i would do you know impressions and this and that and whatever but it never felt like the stuff that i was doing that it initially made me want to do comedy and I remember one day I was telling my wife about the story. This is years. God, it's got to be 25 years ago. I never told stories on stage. I'm telling my wife this story just about a, 
this prom I went to with this drug dealer sister. And she's like, oh, my God, you have got to tell that on stage. I'm like, I don't know. People, there's a lot of fat in between. She's like, you have got to tell that on stage. Never mind doing the fucking guy at the Dunkin' Donuts. You know, <laughs> tell that on stage. And I went and I told it on stage at a, a little alt venue called Surf Reality on the Lower East Side. Uh, and um, it worked. And I was like, God, that's what I've wanted to do. And uh, ever since I've worked towards that, it's not easy, but you know, it takes, a, it just takes a certain, I don't know. It's like, if you love it, you just don't look back. So that's, that's kind of uh, the genesis of that, you know, storytelling stuff. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny, I, Andrew, I can, I can say this cause I've known DC a long time and I think other comedians are better at observing a different comedian than themselves. And one thing we observe is is when a guy that we know starts doing something, you go, it came together. Like you, 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 like I remember you when you started out, you did all the characters, but they weren't in stories from your life, right? No. So they were just characters. So like, and I've always been a fan of. I can tell when a comedian is throwing some subtle vulnerability into the story. Like that's when I that's when I like the comedian when I feel it's real. And all and then you were always good at telling stories, but there was a moment I remember I was like, oh shit, now he's taking the talent he has for all those characters and he's taking those that talent he has for stories and he's combining it. Like, so I don't know when you and, and it's so good because you you're so good at both of those things and you made them both come together as one. Like, so when you teach storytelling. You got to have some people that come into your class. You probably have you. You probably have a good eye where you're like, you don't need to do the characters. Just tell the story. Look, a lot or of do you teach the characters, man. And that's not that's just my thing. You know what I mean? I, I, I do them and I love them. But a lot of people cannot do characters and I, and I wouldn't push them in that direction. But you don't need to. If you have a natural uh, narrative you know, a natural funny story that happened to you, it should be your voice in the first place. The characters are just the sprinkle-ons. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, actually very few of the people I do actually do characters in their stories. You know, it's more like trying to find their voice and what it is and, and recreate whatever happened during that time. You know, I think Joe froze up again, but you know, that, whatever i'm glad there's somebody you know this is on my on my desk right now trying to get it to work i'm like should it go that way do do you ever do you ever dc do you ever tell like a story that lasts like a whole headlining set no i have not done a 45 minute story that would be crazy but i've I have one. What's the longest? Uh, it's like close. I, I do it in parts. I've only okay. told it a few times um, in its entirety. I feel like it's like 25 to th- it's about, it can be a half. It yeah. could be a half in the, cause it's really like three interlocked stories that are very much one, you know, but I haven't, um, it, it, it's pretty filthy. <laughs> so I haven't really had the opportunity, you know, that much, man. But that's- now, now I want to hear that one. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we have time for that, but. <laughs> so, 
it's so crazy along, man. It's so, but it's it's basically when it, the 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 gist of it is when I had moved to New York, uh, I had this. I ended up living in Times Square, across from the Port Authority, um, with this crazy roommate, um, and uh, uh, the, this this crazy gay guy that was like a stylist and you know had all these dresses and. <laughs> in our place and and uh, he would give me these jobs to help pay for the rent and one of the jobs he was like pick up this dog and bring him to this fashion shoot at, at the trump plaza and uh, i picked up the dog and the dog was dyed blue it was this giant blue poodle and i had to bring this fucking blue poodle in a cab up to the trump plaza and the driver didn't want it in a cab and other cab drivers were shouting at it and, and then I, I they dropped me off and I'm standing out there and it was like a PETA demonstration that day so all these people were like going on about fur and some and women coming over like why'd you dye your dog blue I'm like it's not my dog I'm just holding it for somebody it was it's it that's the beginning it was just a long crazy crazy story man and 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 uh uh yeah yeah so I don't I don't want to launch into <laughs> into it for too long but but you know it came from my life in a, in a, 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 it was the old New York, man. It was the old New York. This is 91, something like that. You know, like the uh, Times Square. I think it was Giuliani. It just started Disney-fying it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, it was crazy over there back in the day. Is Joe frozen again? Or is I think he- so. He looks frozen. I think he he's looks- surprised by that. <laughs> he's <laughs> just, <laughs> he's still surprised by the blue poodle. <laughs> um can i can i ask your advice because i'm trying to prepare for like i might be going to like this uh rochester fringe festival awesome and i'm i have the story i've done i've done it at a fringe festival before i've done it a few times and it's like about the time i uh lived in a zen temple in japan joe you're back welcome back (laughs) (laughs) i literally went downstairs took the router out from under my bed and pushed it towards the doorway oh did it help (laughs) i don't know you tell me is it did it just start working better in the last two minutes you look you look higher fidelity for sure it's so weird because we've done the podcast with the exact it's same me. equipment three weeks in a row why it's like dc came on and everything changed your your magnetism your narrative magnetism is just throwing things off man you just tell me about this so you he lived in a zen temple yeah. uh he said he's trying to put, do this bit in his act yeah and like i've been mentoring him a lot too and trying to like help him because andrew's on the very alternative side of comedy like sure so when i bring like when when friends of mine come that are like like for instance my brother-in-law and his wife like love andrew like they lived in brooklyn oh fuck joe's out again <laughs> andrew's doing a show with me i'm out again there you go you're back you're back you're back what the- <laughs> what's like what's the best book written on storytelling Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know, man. I don't, I just, I, I just like, I like reading a lot of short stories, right? I used to, now that I have the phone and everything, I haven't mm-hmm. really, but I used to love reading a lot of short stories and that's always a good, uh, it's a good assist for the structure uh, of, of, of your story. You know, what's them called? I'm trying to find it, but you remember Chris Arcudi, right? Uh, uh, Joe, it, it, you know, from back in the day, 
I remember him. Okay, so he just wrote a book. He just sent it to me, and it's like it's a short. It's so this shit right here, bro. This is uh, Arcudi's book. Okay, the Salvation Alley, and he's got all these random, like very short little pieces in there. They're almost like little Zen Cohen haiku kind of things. But uh, I, you know, it's it's the concentrate. I like to I like to. I don't have a, a, a big uh, attention span, right? That's so much. So I like the little shorts and the and uh, and they those are inspirational. I think for stand up bits. Um, well, who did, who did you like to read? Uh it's been a while, man. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, Carver, Raymond Carver. I like Carver when I was in when I was in college. He kind of blew my mind with the simple language and all of that. It kind of blew my mind that you could write so economically and simply. And uh, they, I forget what's uh, uh, he had a story about a guy having a yard sale that they made into a movie in his mm-hmm. front yard. And these young people come, shall we, might be, shall we dance or something, but young people come, they're looking at all this stuff. And he's like, just take this, just take that. And they realize his wife died. And that's why he's kind of getting rid of everything or whatever. But it just, that kind of stuff blew my mind. It wasn't necessarily comedic, although he was, he could be pretty funny. Um, uh, but I, whenever people ask me, who do you like? Who do you, I can never, I can never remember. <laughs> the, you know? the, the funniest short story I ever read was a John Steinbeck story where I think it's like the chrysanthemums or something where there's like a door to door salesman. Right. And he comes to this lady's house and he's like trying to manipulate her by like trying to get interested in her chrysanthemums because she's a gardener. And just the way she de- he described her is like she was so big that it looked like she could break a cow over her knee and eat it like a watermelon. Like, I thought that was funny. <laughs> you got to love Simon. He created Lenny, you know, of my yeah. Lenny. So, you know, you got to love him, man. But, uh, you know, I just I feel like and this is Joe, you probably said the same thing when you were coaching uh, stand ups is I always tell them to put it in your own words and make it conversational. You know, I, I feel like that is that, you, you know, it's it, don't be a character. Don't be who you should be, you know, who you think you should be. Just be who you are. Right. Close an approximation of that as you can, you know, because that's what's funny about you. So rather than push away from that, you know, embrace that. Well, it's uh, amazing how long it takes you as a comedian uh, to realize what's funny about you. You have no idea when you're starting out and you try 90 different styles and then you end up going back to how you were that very first time you walked up there. You just they always say you want to be how you were that first time, except now with good material <laughs> <laughs> like and I want you so bad to tell to me you're I love the classic story and i don't know where i heard you tell it the bill cosby story of what you when you (laughs) when you worked on the second cosby show and the whole long story of has that ever been recorded on any of your comedy albums no i you know what when i i've done it a couple times on stage and you talk about long it's long and it'll eat a dick a lot of the time (laughs) honestly it will i recorded it just myself telling it and i put it up on youtube It'll be just sitting in my car saying it so people can judge for them themselves. Yeah. But um yeah, that was pretty uh uh that was pretty crazy. You're uh, so good at telling stories, you could make an album of stories where it's not in front of an audience. So now you don't have to worry about if they like it. It's you just 
doing the skill of what you do and like the stories don't all have to be really funny you could have you you know what you could do is you could have five funny ones that are in front of an audience and you could have a couple of stories on the album that are you recording in a recording studio with no laughter and doing a serious story and mix them in well you know what that's what got me through covid is i would just sit through in the car i posted like 20 of these things and it was all stories that i wanted to tell and i would just record them in the car yeah, the audio is not great the you know it's like the visual is like the phone looking up my nostrils but the uh the um it, I got a lot of them out there that I that I wanted to tell. And then now I'm kind of chipping away one by one, working them out on stage. So I got like three I'm working now. I would love at some point to do that Cosby story on stage. I would love to. Oh, I'd love to bring that to the stage. Bro. But it's, Dude, so, it's, it's an like, amazing story. It reminds me of. Do you remember? <laughs> What was that comedian's name? The, oh, God, I always forget his name. But he did a one-person show in New York before he moved to Florida and started working. Like, he used to book comedians for the cruise lines. Oh, a, a Jewish guy? Yeah, what's his name? Oh, God. Uh, uh, he had a big afro at one time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in L.A. for a while, too, I think. Um, oh, It'll we'll think of it. We'll think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knew this guy in New York. He was a great dude. And Andrew, the, he had this whole one person show that was about all of his almosts and how he fucked it up. <laughs> and he had a whole bunch. And he has Bruce a story. Bruce Mirnoff. That's his name. Yeah. He has a, that Johnny Carson story that he tells in the one person show is such a good story that it's been. I may have read it in two different books about comedy where it's it's in the book because the story's so good. Do you know that story? I don't know the story. I'm gonna you know, I've got to check that out. I didn't know the last time I saw him was he had me audition for a cruise thing in Florida and I got there and he's like, You didn't wear a blazer? And I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> and he, it was crazy, man, and and the whole crowd was old Jewish people, and they loved him. They were they were like oh, Bruce, yeah. Brucey, you know, and he knew like he's like, all right, that, uh, that's, I got to find that story, man. I'm gonna, I'll try to tell it really fast because, yeah. and I haven't told this story or even read it in a book in a while, but I remember Tom Van Horn used to tell the story. I mean, and Tom saw it live. I didn't see him do the one person show. I literally the story's so good that Tom Van Horn told me the story of another guy telling the story because he was in the audience. But and Andrew's younger than us, so he's not going to really have the connection with Johnny Carson and what Johnny Carson was to comedians. When, well, you know, it was a in, big deal. I'm sure he realizes. You know. Yeah, yeah. It can so make your career. Basically, Bruce Smirnoff is like he's almost like how Rodney's like, I get no respect. Like Bruce Smirnoff, just like I he just had the worst luck ever in all these stories. And he wasn't a jerk at all. Just horrendous, weird. What would you call it? <laughs> Happenstance. Is that even a word? What it was just the most unlucky thing. So he's at the improv in Los Angeles in the heyday, right? In like maybe the early 80s. You know, I don't know how long Johnny had the, the Tonight Show and what year Johnny finished up. 
it's somewhere towards the last 10 years of Johnny being the host of the Tonight Show. But it was still huge if you got to do it. So he's sitting there at the improv, like so jealous because Johnny Carson's supposed to come in and 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 look at these comedians. And why isn't he on the list? He's like, I'm not on the list. I'm just there. And he's like complaining. Why am I not getting the audition? All these other guys are. And then Johnny Johnny comes in with like a, a like a model blonde, right? With his arm around her, right? And they shuffle him into the comedy club and sit him in the back. And and Bruce Smirnoff's livid, right? He's like, what the fuck? I cannot believe I'm not auditioning. And then Bud Friedman comes up to Bruce and goes, We did we had somebody fall out. Can you go up? and do like a five minute audition spot for the tonight show. He goes, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Right. He goes on stage. He does his first joke. Applause break kills. Does his second joke destroys even harder. Like two applause breaks. He goes, then all of a sudden from the back of the room, you hear, You're not funny. You never were funny. Get off the stage. You suck. And he's like, what the fuck? He starts to try to continue his third joke. You heard me. You're not funny. Your style's weak. Get off the stage. You suck. He goes, I look. (laughs) It's my manager. He's off his meds. Oh, that's. Yeah, we can relate to that one. DC and I. Cosby story too. Manager off the meds. Oh, really? Yeah, is that it? (laughs) He goes. He's off his meds and he's and he's drunk on top of it. He goes. He heckles through the rest of his set. He ends up bombing his ass off, and he walks off completely defeated. Right? He's like ready to commit suicide because it was going so well. He's feeling down about 25, 30 minutes goes by and Bud Friedman comes up to him again and he goes, Bruce, I need you to do me a huge favor. Um, Johnny is in the back with that blonde. He's had like seven drinks. He's too drunk to drive home. Can you drive Johnny Carson home? <laughs> swear to God, this is the best story. He's like, okay. And he goes, okay. And then he tells one of his friends, he's like, listen, I can't go without, I can't go out with you guys tonight to this, where you're going next. Cause I'm going to, I got to drive Johnny Carson home. Right. So he's in the car. He's driving Johnny. He's making out with the girl the whole time in the back seat. And all of a sudden the girl stops making out with Johnny and she goes, Johnny, it's the guy, that guy went on stage tonight. The driver. He was the comedian, went on stage. Wasn't he funny? And Johnny goes, no. (laughs) He goes, that's the guy that bombed. He goes, you're terrible, kid. He's like drunk and being mean. He's like, you're terrible, kid. You got no future in this business. (laughs) I hate to tell you, but I'm just trying to save you a lot of hard, hard time there. You know, you just, you know, sometimes it's just not right for certain comedians. He's like, motherfucker, I can't believe how bad this night's going. He goes, the gate's open, and I'm pulling into Johnny's mansion. He goes, I look in my rearview mirror. There's like 15 cars behind me. 
and they're all following me into Johnny's mansion. He goes, turned out the guy I told that I couldn't go out with him told everybody at the improv that there was a party at Johnny's house tonight. <laughs> and we're all invited. <laughs> and they're all following. They go, they're all emptying. They're all getting out of their cars. They're coming through. And Johnny comes out and he's like, I will, I will remember you forever. I remember this. I remember your face. You're never going to be on the Tonight Show ever. Why the fuck? And he curses him out. And that, and that's how the story ends, basically. And I'm sure there's a th I have a feeling there's a fourth turn to that story because you're a master storyteller. But it was it's unbelievable. And it's it's been quoted in like a couple different comedy books that I've read as like one of the most unlucky things to ever happen to a comedian. But your story about Cosby reminds me of that. It's similar. It's similar. I mean, I can tell it if we have time. I don't know. Do we have time to tell it or if we, you know, we're, we can, uh, we Dude, can this, this podcast has had so many glitches and now it's working. I feel like you got to tell it. All right. So <laughs> let's, let's go with it. So, uh, it, it's, it's hard to remember it too. It's, it was so fucking traumatic. What year was it? This, 90s it was 90s most of my most everything was in the 90s it was in the 90s i think maybe early 2000 but i i booked it i booked the cosby show and i'd only done one tv thing before and that was a law and order and uh you know uh i remember at the law and order like you show up and usually you shoot the thing but i had to wait all day so um I'm, How'd I'm you gonna, get the job? How'd you get the audition? How did it go? The manager who will remain nameless. He's not <laughs> yeah. the guy who we think, you know, we talk about, who was also on meds. And I got this audition, and it, and the scene, I was going to be in the scene with Cosby, Madeline Kahn, and Robert Klein. Oh, my God. And I'm playing a cop, which I do, I do all the time. I play cops all the time. So I'm like, boom, this is fucking awesome. I love Robert Klein. I love Madeline Kahn. And I'd grown up, you know, appreciating Cosby. It wasn't like he always made me laugh, but to me, he was just a mega super talent star or, you know, and, and like I was a child listening to his belt bit, like the belt when he would smack, you know, whatever the dad's belt. I mean, so to be on, it was a big deal. So I've a line and the line is like, uh, I'm a cop, Robert Klein's a cop. And I'm like, Hey Jack, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go get the car. That's the line I come in or whatever. And there's three days. It's three days of, of working on this. Um, so I show up. Uh, the manager went off his meds. My, same thing as what we just talked. My manager went off his meds. And he told me to be there at this time or whatever. I get to the Kaufman Astoria studio in Queens. And uh, the security guy's like, oh, man, you're late. You were supposed to be here. It's like 11. You were supposed to be here at 9. I'm like, what the? And he's like, yeah, you're supposed to be here at nine, but let me just get the lady. So he calls this, this lady comes down with a clipboard and she keeps fucking up my name. She's like, she's like, DJ Barney. And I'm like, what? She's like, DJ Barney. And I'm like, DC Benny. She's like, CD Birdbath. You know, she keeps calling me these fucking names, right? And she's like, you're late. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm she's like, no, you're supposed to be here at nine. Come on. She's like, Dr. Cosby's very upset. And I'm like, Dr. Cosby. She's like, yes. Everybody calls him Dr. Cosby. Don't call him Mr. Cosby. He's Dr. Cosby. You know, come on, PJ. And I'm like, I, I just stopped correcting her, right? So then we get to the set. I can smell cigar smoke as we're getting to the set. There's no smoking signs everywhere. Cosby's there smoking a cigar. Everybody's like waiting because it's some kind of pill. 
And Cosby's like, well, good, but, well, look who's here. And she's like, yes, uh, this is DJ Barney. And he's like, DJ Barney. And he keeps saying it over and over again. He's like, DJ Barney. And he's fucking humiliating me in front of these people. He's like, you are, you're Latino and you're setting, you're setting back all the Hispanic actors by, who would show up late. And that's why nobody knows the name of DJ Barney. And I'm like, I'm not Hispanic. I don't even want to say anything about it. But he, and he's just ripping me a new ass. And then he's like, why are you late? And I'm like, well, Mr. Cosby. And he's like, Dr. Dr. Cosby, not Mr. And everybody's like, oh, oh. Like I called him Mr. Cosby, right? So we do the rehearsal. I say the line, like everybody's wincing. I see Madeline Kahn, like just wincing. Robert Klein wincing. Like this, he's just fucking, and, he, and he's like, he's like, you think he can handle, you know, putting, popping, reading the line. And I, and I read the line, right? And it, it goes, okay. So then we've done the rehearsal. So the next day, where I go home and I'm telling my wife, I'm like, holy shit, man. This thing was so fucking embarrassing. Like, I showed up late. He's calling me DJ Barney. Like, he's telling me about Latinos and all this stuff and lecturing me in front of everybody. And she's like, don't worry about it. Just be professional. Show up on time tomorrow. You know your line, right? Your line. I'm like, I know my line and everything. So I show, I show up the next day and I'm in the... I'm <laughs> I'm in the dressing room, right? And the dressing rooms have these little intercom systems. And on the intercom, they'll uh, call people to they'll call people to set or do whatever. And depending on how your hierarchy on the food chain, the tone of voice changes. So they're like, oh, Madeline Khan, please come to the set when you get a moment. Madeline Khan, please come to the set when you get a moment. Uh, Mr. Klein, we're ready for you in makeup and hair, Mr. Klein or whatever. And then they get on. And, and the ladies like um, uh, Dr. C, Dr. C, uh, come to the set now or whatever. So I'm like, uh, that's, they're calling the doctor. He's got to come to the set. So about a couple minutes later, I hear uh, Dr. C, come to the set, right? And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, someone's getting a little short with Dr. C on the intercom. Someone's going to get yelled at today. It's not going to be me, right? So then the lady gets back on again. I hear the voice, Dr. C, come to the set right now. You're, you're late to the set. I'm like, <laughs> somebody's getting, you know, the door opens, the lady with the clipboard there, she's like, Dr. C? I'm like, what? And she's like, that's your name, right, Dr. C, Benny? I'm like, no, you know, I'm not a fucking soda. <laughs> she's like, DJ Barney, just come on, you're late to this thing. Again, so I'm like, Jesus. So I get to the set, right? This lady's been calling my name, and, and Cosby's like, oh, DJ Barney, thank you for joining us today. Late again, but and he's fucking going off on me again. God damn. So we do, we shoot, this is when we're shooting it. So we shoot the thing. I say the line to Robert Klein. I'm like, hey man, car's ready. Uh, and then I walk off and Cosby's like, cut, cut, cut. And he's like, boy, he's like, you had one job. Remember one line. You can't, you can't remember your line. I'm like, I did the line. That's the line on the script. He's like, that's the old script from yesterday. You didn't look in your dressing room and see the new script. You have another line on there. I'm like, no, I didn't. He's like, oh. He's like, do you think you could remember the new line now? Do you think you could remember it and do it and execute it? Put the top in fucking Latinos. So, um, like, I, there was a new line I didn't even know about. It's like, hey, Jack, we're going to go get the car. I'll be out back. So we, I filmed the shit, the line, right? I do it, and I'm embarrassed again. And I go back to the dressing room, and I got I to gotta pee, right? So, uh there's no bathroom there. So I go to, there's a little desk and I ask the lady, where's the bathroom? She's like, there's a bathroom down the hall over there. 
uh, the door sticks sometimes, so you got to really pull it, right? So uh, I get to the door, the door is stuck, and I just fucking pull the door open, and there's a dude. It's a one toilet bathroom, and it's this is Kaufman Astoria's studios, and there's a suit guy, like an executive from that, taking a shit in the bathroom in his suit, and he's like, "Get out of here! We're fucking opening the bathroom, whatever." You know, I'm like, "Sorry, sorry." So I, I remember holding my pee and taking the train home, and I'm like, uh, "This." And my wife's like, "Look, tomorrow's going to be fine." You shot it. At least you shot it tomorrow. What they do the final day is Cosby buses in a church group and they do it like a live play, right? So I show up the next day and uh, um, I'm waiting and I'm watching the the people who get bussed in in the bleachers. They got a stage set up and I'm just chilling there and they have a warm up comic from Atlanta, right? And this dude sucks. This dude, and he's got this Kooji sweater on and he just fucking blows, man. He's like, you know, He's doing all this hacky shit or whatever, and nobody's laughing. And then he sees me. So he sees me standing in the corner and he's like, he's like, oh, snap. Who let who let this Puerto Rican up in this? Look at those shoes. You know, they done on that side. You may want to turn them bad boys over. And no one's laughing. He's, and this guy's snapping on me. And, you know, we're comics. So I'm like, I'm not fucking taking that. So I make a joke. I say something about how his sweater looks like an AIDS quilt, right? And people start. People bust out laughing, and, I, and that lady walks in with the clipboard. As I said, AIDS quilt. She's like, she's like, CD party, what are you doing? And I'm like, that guy was making fun of me. I was just hanging out here, and he was making. She's like, don't speak to the, te- don't speak to the. Uh, and and this woman in the audience stood up. She's like, that motherfucker funny. This motherfucker not funny. And pointed to the, the warm up guy. And I was like, see. And she's like, look, we have a memo here. She hands me a memo that says you're not allowed to use the bathrooms on that wing of the building because because the, the one the, I went in yesterday and the dude was taking a shit. And she's like, just go, just go get prepared and go backstage and stay out of stay from out of. So I'm like, damn. So I'm now I'm backstage, right? And uh, I've never done a play before. I've never really done a play. So. We do the, we do, uh, there's a guy back there who's very stressed out with a clipboard. He's like, okay, go out now and say your line. So I'll go out and say my line. And then I come back in and, it, and we're about wrapping up. He's like, okay, go out for the curtain call thing or whatever. And for some reason, as I'm going out, Robert Klein is walking right back into, in between the curtains and I fucking headbutt Robert Klein. I mean, this guy is like a, a hero to me, a child to hero and I headbutt him. He's like, ah, right. And the, and the clipboard guy's like, both you guys go out. Robert, please go out, Mr. Klein. So now we're supposed to all stand in a row and hold each other's hands about. Robert Klein will hold my head. He's like, get away from me, kid. He's holding his fucking forehead that I've cracked, right? You know, and and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I, I can't make any of this shit up, right? So I get off the stage. And I'm like, at least I can go home now. This chick comes up from the audience, right? And she's a comic that I know from way back in, way back, early, you know, early 90s, right? And I haven't seen her in a long time. And, uh, and uh, she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're on the Cosby thing. I'm like, yeah, I you know. And uh, she's like, um, it's crazy. That's crazy. And I'm like, where have you been? I haven't seen you doing comedy. And she's like, there was a stalking thing situation, so I had to get out of it. It wasn't good. And she goes, do you know uh, Dr. Cosby? And I said, yeah. I mean, now, yeah, I, I kind of know him. But uh, I, And she goes, what's wrong? I'm like, it just didn't go well. She's like, oh, he's a friend of mine. Don't, don't worry about it. I'll introduce you. I'm like, really? I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, even if I were a friend of yours, I don't think he's going to like it. And, you know, and she's like, no, don't worry about it. Dr. Cosby and I are like this. So we go to Cosby's office. He's smoking a cigar. 
And she knocks on the door, pushes the door, but she's like, Dr. Cosby. And he looks at her and he's like, didn't I tell you, don't ever come to this set again. She's like, I just want to introduce you to my friend, DC Benny. And he looks at me and he's like, I know who you are. And then he looks back at her and he's like, I need you out of here. You, you were told not to come to this set ever again. Uh, I will call security right now. And he's like, put and pop. And I'm like, holy shit. The stalking thing she was talking about must have been her, you know. <laughs> I mean, so uh, now, and, and he's like, and I remember you or whatever. So I'm, so I leave, right? I leave, and my the show airs, and my mother in law. Look, I my 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 wife's family is like the real Huxtables in real life. So this was like a big deal to see me on the Cosby Show, right? So it's like a big deal and everything, and the show airs and. Um, uh, my friend comes up to New York and he's like, he's like, Hey man, um, you want to, I rented a limo. Let's drive around town and hit some parties or whatever. I'm in town for why I rent a limo or whatever. I'm like, okay. So we got champagne. We're driving around in a limo, blah, 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 blah. Towards the end of the night, he's like, one more party I want to go to, uh, on the like upper West side or something, you know, it's like two in the morning. I'm like, all right, let's, let's roll. He's like, this girl's having this party. Right. So we pull up to this big house. Right. We're fucked up, right? He rings the doorbell. This girl comes to the door and he's like, where's the party? And the, the house looks dark, right? I'm like, don't you think that? I don't know. The house looks kind of dark. He's like, don't worry about it. It's probably down. This house is huge. It's probably downstairs or whatever. And I'm like, this girl looks familiar, but I can't think of where it is. I've, <laughs> I've seen her. And he goes, "Um, uh, he's like, where's the party? And she's like, she's like, that party was last week. This, we're not doing it tonight. The lights click on from the top of the stairs. I hear, who's that? ringing the doorbell in the middle of the goddamn pudding pop night, right? And <laughs> at the top of the stairs is Cosby in a fucking bathrobe, right? And the reason I thought this girl looked familiar is his daughter, right? So my friend's like, holy shit, that guy looks like Cliff Huxtable. And then he's like, bleh, and he's like, that guy is Cliff Huxtable, right? Cosby comes downstairs. He's like, who the hell? And the girl's like, the, uh, he thought we were having a party and everything. He's like, and he looks at me, he's like, do I know you? And I'm like, no, no, you do not. No, you do not, right? Didn't didn't remember me, thank God. We leave. My mother-in-law calls me about a week later and she goes, you know what I did? And I'm like, what did you do? And she goes, I helped you out with your, you know, your comedy thing. And I'm like, well, what did you do? And she goes, well, you know, we saw you on the Cosby show and you know, you should get more work like that or whatever. And she goes, so uh, they're in D.C. So in D.C., there's Ben's Chili. And she goes, Cosby buys chili from Ben's Chili every week, and he has it flown to New York. And her friend owns Ben's Chili. So she said, I took your headshot, and I had the friend put it on the top of, the, of this chili shipment that's going out tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know this part. Yeah. Yeah, that part. So my so Cosby opened a box of chili, and my fucking face was on it with my name, you know. Which is, uh, but that yeah, that's that's the, basically the Cosby story with parts I probably forgot. Oh my god, dude, that's amazing! You uh, must be so happy that like all that stuff like went <laughs> negative on Cosby because you it, like when some it's there's something weird about when someone puts out like a negative vibe that it makes you perform like not as well or whatever. Like I even used to do that when I used to teach. Yeah. I used to have a, a, a student perform 
with the with the other students there, just giving them nothing. Ooh, and and That's to true. show them the and then I go now give them a lot and really love them, you know, and really and then you would you would see the, the even the new comedian would get so much funnier because he was getting love. So it's like fuck, like Cosby was putting such a negative vibe out there. Thank God you only had one line. Like That's not going to affect you doing one line, but Jesus Christ. Oh, it was so traumatized. That whole thing was so damn traumatizing. And, you know, I was late in the beginning or whatever, but he and, and I've bumped into people over the years who worked with him, and they were like, that guy was horrible to work with. He was horrible, you know, be before all this stuff that came out, just, just you know, always apparently that was a very common thing and people on the set came up to me out they were like yeah that's very it's you just got to ride it out and he'll find somebody else to lay lay i'm like new and it just destroyed me i'm like this is my big break you know (laughs) i loved it i also love that you headbutt robert klein in the story it's 99% of the time that these guys are so disappointing to me it's unfortunate you look up to them whatever and then you meet them and you're like oh not 99% of the time, but it's just a lot of the time. It's unfortunate that, uh, you know, they just, you know, pissed off and ornery and, and uh, not nice to, to newer comics. Man, I, I try to make a point to, to, to be nice to newer comics. You know, I really do. Cause it's, there's no reason to be a, a douchey. Oh my God. So dude, thank, thanks for doing the podcast. I, I'm sorry about the technical shit at the beginning. Yeah, hopefully but- you can work it out. Hopefully you get some bits out of it and, you know, whatever, some, you know, like chunks that you can. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I'll just fix, I'll just chop the beginning. I don't know why all of a sudden it works perfectly now. Yeah. Is it because I slid my router six feet on the floor in my bedroom? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I did want to, you know, I wanted to plug the right things. I didn't even ask you with the plug, but I, I saw on your Instagram that you're, you're plugging, uh, you, you know, you do, you do mostly one-on-ones now with people that want to yeah, do, I do, I do you know, the, the classes I stopped doing, I just do the one-on-ones, the co- coaching, uh, with, with zoom. Um, so that, that's, they can hit me on Instagram at the real DC Benny. And I do that. And, uh, I have a, the, the, Special on YouTube, uh, Drift in Predicaments. Um, oh, when I'm, did that come out? That has been out for a little while. You know, Bill Burr's company, the the All Things Comedy that he okay. up. And um, uh, what's the other thing? Uh, I'm on uh, Life and Beth, the Amy Schumer show. I play Michael Sarah's dad. Um, oh. Uh, oh, really? I, that show, I, I was about, I've been telling my wife we should actually go watch it because I watched the trailer and I go, this is going to be good. I can tell by the trailer of the show. Yeah. And my brother-in-law really liked it. So Yeah, you know, I, I have a little, it's a small, tiny little part now, but she, she was like, you know, if it gets picked up again, we'll, we'll make it bigger. And she's been cool to me and I'm just happy to, you know, happy to be working a little bit, you know, yeah. that's, that's it. Yeah, that's great, man. It's good talking to you guys. I wish you the best with this podcast and everything else. Yeah, uh, I always love you. Nice to meet you, Andrew. Nice to meet you yeah. too. Uh, two funny dudes, man. I, I, I wish you guys all the best. All right. Thank, Thank you, man. Thanks DC. See you later, DC. All right, guys. All right, man. Later. Bye. <laughs> that so was weird. Good. He's a good dude. He's yeah. just always been a good dude. I wish I could. He just naturally like a good dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I would love to hear his. We should bring him back a different time to get the the other side of DC. If there is a side where he loses it and burns a bridge or snaps, <laughs> true, true. You know? 
I mean, I guess he lost it on the the comic doing warm up. Warm up. Well, he just slammed him back. I mean, true, true. After he slammed him, true, and then got all the laughs. That's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> fucking funny. I might actually, I might actually contact him to get uh, a little feedback on that one man show. No, I, I, you was crazy while he was, you know, telling us how he, you know, crafts stories and all that. I, it made me think my closing bit that I do in my remember when it doesn't have the big payoff like it used to probably because it's an old bit. So I've been trying to add to it to bring life back into it. And it just still doesn't feel like an ending. And then my show is doing it does. My show does really good. And then it just kind of ends, but it doesn't have that fucking ending feel that you need. Like, yeah, DC and like, sorry to say like Cosby when I saw him live nobody ends a chunk better than Bill Cosby he's so good if you watch all his old comedy stuff when he's like on HBO and and the stories are 20 minutes long to be able to tell a 20 minute long story and have it have a beginning middle and end and be funny the whole way and then have an ending like it's a little movie I mean that that's not easy to do no and it's weird because DC's telling the story and you're going, well, it's true. He didn't make up the ending. How, how did he get that? How do you find how do you find the real ending if your story kind of just has a, you know, like my roller skating bit isn't a true story. Right. It's just partially true. Is your story all true? Pretty much as it as it stands right now. Maybe I could stand to make up the ending. I mean, I don't really have a good ending. My you know, I, I well, don't know. I'm kind of like <sighs> trying to well, figure that, out. That might be the kind of thing you just work with DC once and you'd get it all figured out and you just pay him for the hour. I might do that. He would do it. He's great at that stuff. Well, dude, that was a fun podcast. I, I, I forgot to remind everybody you can tip during the podcast. A couple people did. Thank you for the tips out there. We appreciate that. And, uh, Let's give some music. We'll give a couple of plugs here. Um, let's see. What do you got? What do you got to plug? You, I'll let you pick your music. You want acoustic, cinematic, yeah, <laughs> dance pop, daydreaming? Let's, let's do daydreaming because I'm about to fall asleep. There you go. Oh, yeah. Um, so April 13th, I'm going to be at... Uh, we NJ Weedman's joint in Trenton. Uh, that's a fun show. Smoke some weed, get some weed, uh, watch some comedy. And other than that, um, one laughs first is coming back. My my comedy show is coming back to Brooklyn at Pete's Candy Store in June, June seventh. So those are my main gigs I want to plug. Uh, actually, May fifth at uh, Revision Lounge. Check nice. that out. You got some, uh, you got some hipstery gigs. They just sound hipstery. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm just really trying to plug the April 23rd gig, the Remember When at City Winery in Philadelphia. Just go to JoeMatteries.com. That's a big gig. I got to fill 350 seats in Philadelphia. I should be able to do it. I just hired a uh, social media guy. Shout out to Dan, who's doing my social media now. I'm excited about having this guy on board, having a little bit of a team. Uh, my manager, Adam, maybe he was watching. I don't know. 
uh, I'm excited to be working with him too. And uh, got some uh, the other two gigs that you can you know come to of emo emus pa i don't even know if i'm pronouncing it right the emus theater e-m-m-a-u-s emus theater and emus pa on may i'm gonna have to pull this up on uh may oh why did i think it was may 13th no it's may 7th saturday may 7th the emus theater and then uh bananas in rutherford new jersey they just relocated their club i'm excited to be at the new bananas in rutherford new jersey may 13th two shows these are all remember when shows joematterese.com for tickets oh i just love daydreaming (laughs) yeah man every now and then say what the fuck what the fuck gives you freedom Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future.